True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, rushing! Deep left field! This is way back! Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes Here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. Hello, and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on Wednesday, June 28th. Frank Stanfield joined by the Scott White. Today on the show, recalibrating some rookie pitchers and what to expect moving forward. Ranger Suarez is moving on up, a whole bunch of double dongs, and much more. Before we get started, please like this video and subscribe on YouTube if you haven't already. And if you're listening on the audio side, download, follow, and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify. We really do appreciate it. Let's jump in. Oh, my goodness! Unbelievable! So that's a new call, Scott, and I got it Tuesday night from the Pirates broadcast. That was the call for Nick Gonzalez's first career home run. How about that? (laughs) I don't know. Was was it unbelievable? Not really. The guy was just out of his mind, but... <laughs> I guess he didn't have a lot of faith in Nick Gonzalez. <laughs> they have a, a propensity to kind of overhype things, I've noticed, on their broadcast. It was a 440-foot home run, so I guess that part of it is pretty impressive. Bad job by me. We've done, what, two podcasts since the weekend? And I didn't even know Nick Gonzalez got called up. I just discovered that today too. It was the quietest prospect promote. I mean, it, it kind of shows you how much his stock has like collapsed as a prospect because this is yeah. a guy who was drafted seventh overall in 2020 and started out pretty high on prospect lists, but um, the production was not so great, particularly once he reached the higher levels of the minors. And so now he's up in the majors, the Pirates looking for a spark. And uh, he had. He had been hitless prior to today's two for four performance with that long home run. I don't think he has enough natural power to make up for the amount he strikes out, but th- there is a chance. There is a chance. I, w- I would leave Nick Gonzalez for the deeper leagues for now, but if he gets hot, then maybe that'll change. 10% rostered for Nick Gonzalez. We'll talk about him a little bit later on as well, but let's start things off here, Scotty. Oh my goodness gracious, your player of the night. All right, I'm going to do Andrew Abbott, who had what appears to me to be his most complete start here at Baltimore. He allowed one run on two hits in six innings, struck out eight, did walk three, and we'll get back to that in a second. But, I I mean, he hasn't had a bad start yet. I mean, just, just in terms of what the box score says, he hasn't had a bad start yet. Early on, He wasn't getting many strikeouts at all. That's changed here in his last two starts. Okay, so early on, he wasn't getting many strikeouts. He was giving up his share of walks. He was giving up hard contact, but he was no damage was being done against him, really. And then in these last two starts, the strikeouts have come way up. He had 
10 in his previous start against the Rockies and then eight here against the Orioles. So that's a good sign. Things are that that is a skill he's going to need if he's going to succeed in the majors because it's the only thing that put him on the prospect map to begin with was just the crazy strikeout totals that, that Andrew Abbott was delivering in the minors. The swinging strike rate in this one was, you know, more pretty good than great. Uh, and on the fastball specifically, he had a 26% whiff rate. Again, that's that's pretty good for a fastball. And like he needs to have that. So, okay. good. That, that's the good news for Andrew Abbott here. In his previous start, even though he had all those strikeouts against the Rockies, he did allow three home runs. They were great American ballpark home runs and that they weren't hit very hard or hit very long. But you know what? Andrew Abbott's going to pitch half his games at Great American Ballpark, so I don't want to discount that. Uh, No home runs in this start. It was in Baltimore with the very deep left field fence. So he had, you know, the park effects working for him this time when they were working against him last time. And, you know, still had the swinging strikes. Okay, so trending the right direction overall. What I think we have here in Andrew Abbott now that we're seeing, okay, he can miss bats against major league level hitters. Maybe not to the extent he did in the minors, but enough maybe that he can be a real asset in the majors. I think he's trying to be kind of the second coming of Joe Ryan because you look at the fly ball rate, which has always been very high for Ryan. It's actually a little lower this year, but historically it's been high for Joe Ryan and that's how he's kept the batting average against down. Andrew Abbott has a 56.7% fly ball rate, or at least he did coming to the start. Very high and very dangerous in Cincinnati. But if their weekly hit fly balls by and large, you know, maybe he can overcome that, particularly if he's going to have a pretty good strikeout rate. What I think is the main thing that I think is separating Andrew Abbott from Joe Ryan right now is those walks that I referred to. Three in this start and... How many was it in the Colorado start? It was zero in that start, but the overall walk rate has been high, and it was something that has was an issue for him in the minors as well. As well, Joe Ryan hardly walks anybody. So, for, for that profile, for the extreme fly ball pitcher profile, uh, you know, kind of a soft tosser who still manages to get a lot of swings and misses, just because his fastball has those modern characteristics with the rising effect and all that. Um, you know, that, that's mainly what Andrew Abbott and Joe Ryan have in common. But Andrew Abbott has two dings that Ryan doesn't. Really tough home environment for that and not the pristine control Joe Ryan has. So I don't know if you follow all that. I know that was not – my <laughs> thoughts may have not been amazingly organized there. But um, I see a path to success here for Abbott. But it's the Joe Ryan path, and he still has some hurdles to clear. I think. So I'm not saying like, I'll drop him. I'm not even necessarily saying trade high, sell high. Uh, You could look into that if you want. You could look into that for most players who are doing well. But I'm just saying the jury's still out as to how good he's going to be. More hope for him now than I had two turns ago, but the jury's still out. And with everything that you just said, Scott, it's a reminder that Even Joe Ryan, as great as he's pitched, look what just happened to him on Tuesday, right? Where he gave up five home runs in a start. Granted, he's going up against the Atlanta Braves, one of the best teams in baseball. But if you give up that many fly balls, eventually you could be prone to uh, having some of these blow-up starts. And you're spot on, Scott. The fact that Andrew Abbott pitches in Great American Ballpark, it's not just a bad ballpark for home runs. It is the worst ballpark in baseball to be a fly ball pitcher. It has the highest home run park factor in all of baseball. So I know this is going to sound like, oh, we're talking down Andrew Abbott and all that kind of crazy stuff. He's pitched well. If if you wanted to come here and just have us read off whatever stat lines and go through box scores of what Andrew Abbott has done, that's not what we're going to do. We're obviously going to dive a little bit deeper and, and tell you, can this be sustained? Uh, but the last two starts, as you pointed out, Scott, have looked much yeah. better in terms of the swinging strikes and racking up the strikeouts for Andrew Abbott. Yes, they have. We'll see if it continues. Yeah, I, I I wanted to go a little bit further with that rant, but I think I'm just going to end it there because... Uh, Nobody understood what I said. The comments are coming in. They're like, what's he talking about? <laughs> I don't understand. Oh, yeah, man. Well, what, what I'm saying is, 
It's a weird profile in the same way Joe Ryan's profile is weird. Yeah. They both had amazing minor league stats. People were skeptical of them coming into the majors. It's worked out for Joe Ryan in the majors, but he has a much better home environment and throws a lot more strikes. Boom! If you don't understand Boom. that, get your ears checked. <laughs> we've heard of the uh, the mic drop. Now we've got the pen drop from one Scott White. We'll talk about a few other rookie pitchers in just a little bit. Gavin Williams was awesome. Taj Bradley was not. But another pitcher I want to highlight just up top, Scott, and the way that he is pitching right now is Ranger Suarez, who I don't know that we have to spend all that much time on him because we've talked about him a lot recently. But in the same way that we've talked about moving Reed Detmers up the starting pitcher ranks quite a bit, maybe it's time to kind of give Ranger Suarez that same kind of respect inside the top 60, close to the top 50 starting pitchers, whatever it might be. Another strong start here on Tuesday, seven and a third innings, one run allowed, eight strikeouts to just one walk for Ranger Suarez. Uh, he actually did it a little bit differently in this start. He didn't throw his curveball as much, a pitch that has worked very well for him this season. Uh, he used his cutter a little bit more, which ironically has not been a great pitch for him this season. But even with that, he went out and had another great start uh, up against the Chicago Cubs. He is allowed two earned runs or fewer in six straight starts. The ERA, the overall ERA is down to 3.18. But during this six start stretch, Ranger Suarez, a 135 ERA, a .98 whip. He's up to 87% rostered, Scott. So we can't really talk about waiver uh, waiver wire moves or anything with him. But what do you think about getting Ranger Suarez kind of way up the rankings the way he's pitching right now? Uh, I mean, I've moved him up quite a bit already. I don't know how high you're talking. I think there are limits to how high I would put him. He did two years ago have an incredible run as a starting pitcher. Uh, that was the year he had the 136 ERA overall. But a lot of that came in the bullpen. Let me see. What was the number when he moved into the rotation? I pulled up the wrong year here. 2021, Ranger Suarez, after he joined the rotation, he had a 151 ERA in 12 starts. I think because he's a ground ball pitcher, he could potentially have an ERA in the low threes. He can't have a 151 ERA again. He can have an ERA in the low threes. In fact, that's what I was hoping he'd do heading into last year. Didn't happen. The curveball has been credited for his success, mainly during this stretch of now six starts where he's had a lot more success. And he didn't throw it nearly as much in this one. He had been throwing it about 25% of the time in the previous five starts. It was only like 10% of the time in this one. So I, I guess you could take that as, okay, so he doesn't have to live and die with the curveball. I know Lance Brozdowski has brought up the point that he's locating his sinker a lot better, uh, more away from hitters rather than up and in. I, I don't know that I could find the data for that in this particular start, but like if, if that... Like it, it, it is more than just the curveball that's led to this turnaround for Ranger Suarez. So he looks pretty stable right now. And because he's not vulnerable to home runs, that gives him a higher floor than a lot of pitchers. But I do think the ceiling is limited too. So as you know, like a top 50-ish type, okay, I could I could get behind that. But I don't think I'd go like top 30 or anything like that. No, I, th I think that's fair. And when I was looking into the profile more on Tuesday here, it reminds me a lot of Bryce Elder, right? Someone we spoke about just last week, spoke extensively about someone who gets a lot of ground balls. He has a sinker. He has a few secondary pitches that work well. You know, the command isn't great, but he gets enough strikeouts. And I was just comparing side by side. And I'm like, yeah, this is this kind of similar. Ranger Suarez, just the Philadelphia Phillies version of Bryce Elder. So I guess however much you like Bryce Elder, I might like Ranger Suarez similar, uh, Probably not more, but uh, just about as much as I do like Elder. Honorable mention here, Scott, for what is likely, I can't imagine there's anyone else out there. The AL and NL MVP leaders at this point, Shohei Otani in a game where he struck out 10 batters, had, yeah. a, had a double dong. He went three for three with two more home runs, extends his league lead to 28 home runs this season. Uh, and Ronald Acuna... Uh, we all know what he's done this season. Same thing, goes two for four with a double dong, uh, has four home runs in his past five games. He is batting 330 with 19 homers, 35 steals, 70 runs scored. He is on pace 
for 145 runs scored in a 162-game season. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> it is crazy. No, stuff. I mean, like, if the performance that really should have made us say, oh, my goodness gracious here, was that Otani. Like, Otani had one of the all-time great single-game performances, right? Two home runs as a hitter, 10 strikeouts as a pitcher. If you, if you have Otani in a daily league, you, you probably started him as a pitcher just because you only have so many chances to do that. And so you're... I, I don't know if you're regretting missing out on the two home runs or not, because obviously on those days when you slot him at pitcher, you don't get the hitting stats. But yeah, it's been crazy lately. And um, I was actually looking at this earlier today in terms of head-to-head points per game for hitters. Acuna's number one, not surprisingly. Otani's now climbed to number two in points per game for hitters with the, the kind of power surge he's been on lately. And the plate discipline's been good this year, too. Uh, not amazing, but good. You know who's third, by the way, among hitters in points per game? I have a pretty good guess. Per game is doing a lot of the heavy lifting there. Uh, well, I was going to say Corbin Carroll, but now I don't know. He's high up, but it's not Corbin Carroll. Third is actually Corey Seager. Wow. All right. Well-deserved. He's, he's been everything we could hope for this season and then some. I, I can only imagine if Corey Seager didn't get hurt earlier this year, what kind of season he'd be having and maybe what kind of pace he'd be on as well. But yeah. Oh, you know what? It's actually Aaron Judge. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about Seager's him too, fourth. but... Seager's fourth. Yeah. Great season for Corey Seager. Great season for Shohei Otani and Ronald Acuna all around as well. The Otani thing is just so crazy because... You hear it often. It's like the old baseball cliche, like there's no I in team. You know, you, you, you need like a full team. You can't really just like win with one star player. But I mean, in this game, you won with just one star player. It's really like something we've never seen before. But you all know that already. It doesn't really uh, change much for fantasy, obviously. Let's uh, talk about a few other double dongs. We had five different players with two homers on Tuesday night, we just spoke about Otani and Ronald Acuna. Brandon Nimmo went two for four with a double dong as well. He is up to 10 home runs on the season. Just kind of doing Brandon Nimmo things, batting 282 with an 820 OPS. He is hitting the ball harder than ever before, so it looks like he might actually uh, set a career high in terms of home runs this season if he could manage to stay healthy. J.D. Martinez visits Coors Field and uh, obviously enjoyed it on Tuesday. Two for four with two home runs there. He's up to 18 homers on the season with an 883 OPS, and that's with missing time on the IL. One other name is Brandon Marsh. Two for three, two homers for him, both well over 400 feet. You know, the overall batting line, Scott, for Brandon Marsh looks really good. 283 batting average, 834 OPS. But it doesn't really feel like he does anything for fantasy. It's just, I was surprised to see that's how good his stat line was, but yeah. it hasn't really translated much to fantasy production this year. I had the same reaction too, because he has th- this, this two homer game. That was, those were his second and third home runs since April. Oh, wow. So he, like he hasn't been getting hits outside of play. You know, all, all his hits have been coming in play basically since April and he's still striking out a third of the time. So I don't know how he manages to have such a high batting average when he's not getting those free hits because they're carrying over the fence, you know? Uh, It's hard enough for somebody who hits a lot of home runs to deliver a respectable batting average with a strikeout rate that high. And for what it's worth, his expected batting average, Brandon Marsh coming into the day, is 220. So StatCast doesn't really understand how he's doing it either. Outside of five outfielder leagues, I don't think we have to worry about Brandon Marsh too much and whether or not he can sustain this batting average because, as you point out, he's not doing much else. But uh, I'd be, you know, I I wouldn't want to invest too much in him in a five outfielder league either. All right. Anything else you'd like to add on J.D. Martinez and Brandon Nimmo? Just kind of chugging along here. Yeah, they are. These were... Both of these home runs for J.D. Martinez were hit less than 98 miles per hour, so benefited from the Coors effect. I don't know if you mentioned that, Frank. I did not. I noticed one. I think one of his home runs had an XBA of 100, so... (laughs) 
Yeah. That that definitely is the Coors Field effect. But you know what? He, he has 18 home runs on the season, so like I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna knock JD Martinez. He's perfectly fine starter, and so is Brandon Nemo. All right. Well, let's get back into the rookie pitchers. We mentioned Andrew Abbott, what he did. Let's just kind of go down the line here. Uh, Gavin Williams, stellar in his second start at the Royals. Seven shutout innings, just one hit, one walk, with six strikeouts and 11 swinging strikes on 92 pitches. Eight of those 11 swinging strikes coming on the fastball, which did the heavy lifting in this start. Uh, Completely ditched the changeup compared to his first start. He threw 13 of them in his first start. Gavin Williams threw zero changeups in his second start. He is up to... 76% 76% roster Scott, and I think after a start like this, it's if he's available anywhere, that probably should change. Yeah, he looked great. And it was against the Royals in, you know, their their very pitcher friendly park, worth noting. But he gave up soft contact. He had a 26% whiff rate on the fastball, exactly the same as Andrew Abbott. Uh, so, you know, pretty good whiff rate on that pitch in particular. And that's what them throw on the fastball 62% of the time. Like Gavin Williams has two really good breaking balls. And I think once he gets comfortable throwing the slider and the curveball more and, and can lean on the fastball less, first of all, that'll just make the fastball all the more effective. And second of all, I think it could really, we could really see him take off. Uh, but I was encouraged that he was allowed to go seven innings, that he issued just one walk, and that he had a pretty good whiff rate, unlike in his first start his debut so very much on board with gavin williams and think there's a lot of upside here what about brian Wu? how many how much upside do we have there he is he was up against the nationals five innings of two run ball one earned run uh and seven strikeouts with 12 swinging strikes uh the slider was up 1.6 miles per hour in the start for him continues this fastball heavy approach for Brian Wu, lots of four seamers, kind of works in this sinker as well. But he now has seven or more strikeouts in three of five starts, and he's looked pretty good. He's much more widely available, 53% rostered. I have to imagine he's behind Gavin Williams, Scott, but mm-hmm. in deeper leagues where Gavin Williams was already picked up, I think that's obviously where you should be looking for Brian Wu. Well, well, look, if if strikeouts are mainly your thing, all the rookie pitchers who've come up and disappointed with strikeouts, which even Gavin Williams has to an extent here. Uh, Wu has it. <laughs> Wu has been a bat-missing extraordinaire. And uh, he has yet to go six innings in a start, which is a problem, and that'll need to change, I think, before uh, Brian Wu is picked up widely in fantasy leagues because... You know, it's hard to make much of an impact if you're not going six innings at least fairly often. But he's he's like the underlying numbers look great. The expected ERA is far lower than the actual ERA. And uh, the actual ERA is mostly inflated by that terrible debut he had. So things are definitely trending up for Wu. And, you know, if you already missed out on Gavin Williams, I would say he's a good target. All right, last but not least is Taj Bradley, who got hit hard at the Arizona Diamondbacks. Obviously worth mentioning that the Diamondbacks have been one of the best lineups in baseball in the month of June. He gave up seven runs, six of those earned over just four innings pitched, four homers allowed in the start for Taj Bradley. Uh, the whiffs were not there, only had five swinging strikes, gave up eight hard hits in this game. His velocity was actually up, but clearly did not matter for Taj Bradley. And this is part of the issue, Scott, that I had, even after the past two starts that have looked promising for him is inconsistency. I know he's a rookie and obviously he should be given that leash, but for all the people that are chiming in like, Oh, you guys are too low on Taj Bradley. You got to move him up. It's like, this is part of the problem. He's still really, really inconsistent. There's a good Mm -hmm. pitcher somewhere in there, but we just haven't seen it enough. So, and and this is just part of my concern with him. Yeah. Well, I I struggle with where to rank him because of that, because the, the flashes are brilliant. And his previous two starts, he had 19 strikeouts in 10 and a third innings. And then he comes back and gets two strikeouts in this one. He, has, he gives up twice as many home runs as he has strikeouts. <laughs> and like that's, that's inconsistency. Uh, the velocity was up on everything in this start. It didn't matter. It was still one of his le- least effective starts. 
he is vul- he's going to remain vulnerable to the long ball. We saw, you know, during that terrible stint when he got sent back to AAA, Tosh Bradley gave up a lot of home runs then. He entered this start with only a 33.9% ground ball rate. So he is putting the ball in the air a lot. And that's going to keep him vulnerable to, I think, blowups like this. He needs to, he needs to, he just needs to figure out how to be more consistent. Like, as you said, we, we know it's there. We've seen it there. We've seen those flashes from Taj Bradley, but I have a hard time just planting him in my lineup and thinking everything's going to be okay. All right, let's take our first break. And when we return, we will talk about Sandy Alcantara, who got back on track. We'll do that right after this. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash cbssports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash cbssports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back, and if you are interested in buying some Fantasy Baseball Today merch, you can do exactly that at the Paramount Shop, which offers a mountain of merch from the Paramount shows and movies that you love. Scan the QR code in the top right corner if you're watching on YouTube, or head on over to ParamountShop.com, Paramount Shop, where products are Paramount, and of course, if you're watching us live on YouTube, you see this handy-dandy cap that I'm wearing here, you get one exactly like this over at the Paramount shop. Let's talk about Sandy Alcantara Scott, who bounced back with a nice start at the Boston Red Sox. Seven innings of one-run ball with five strikeouts and 16 swinging strikes on 95 pitches. What did he do differently in this start? Well, the slider velocity was up 1.2 miles per hour. He faded the fastballs. He really leaned into the changeup, and the changeup was on. It has been a problem pitch for him this year, but he had nine whiffs on the changeup in this start, Scott. Uh, what did you see, and uh, uh, how confident are you that Sandy Alcantara can kind of get on a roll here? I mean, three starts ago, he gave up one earned run in seven innings. <laughs> that's true. It's that's the thing. Like it hasn't been hasn't been an Alec Manoa situation. I could probably come up with a not so extreme example, but you know, it hasn't been consistently bad results from, from Sandy Alcantara. He's had starts like this sprinkled in with the bad starts, which is why it's been hard to say just, Oh yeah, you should probably bench Sandy Alcantara. Um, I did that one time in one league this year. And I think that was the, the last good start. He had the one earned run in seven innings. So you know, you're kind of just having to take with the good with the bad at this point. Easier to do in a points league because at least even when he gives you a bad start, he's usually giving you a lot of innings and it ends up being a positive score. But you know, hopefully, hopefully this is the start of him getting back on track. Hopefully he doesn't follow it up with another five earned run outing. I, I, I don't know what to predict happens next for Sandy Alcantara. I think eventually he's going to get it right. And I feel confident it'll be before this, the year's over. But I figured it would have already happened by now, too. Doubly impressive because he goes into Fenway, which is a tough place to pitch, and against a lineup that has been pretty damn good this season. So nice start there for Sandy. His next start at the Atlanta Braves. So that will be quite the test. But, I mean, if he can come out of that one with a quality start, then I think I'd feel pretty damn good about what he did this week. Yeah. So... 
like if, if you set your lineups weekly, as most people do, that's not a separate decision you have to make, fortunately. You just plug them in for the two starts. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, he's in your lineup. So, oh, so far, so good. Let's, let's, hope, let's hope he avoids a Joe Ryan situation against that Braves lineup, which is ridiculous. Sure is. Let's move over to some waiver wire hitters. And much like Matt McClain before him, Marcelo Zuna, who we continue to tell people to add. Same thing could be said for Ezekiel Duran, who went two for four with his 10th home run. He has multiple hits in seven of his last nine games. He is now batting 319 with a 900 OPS on the dot. He's still only 73% rostered. He's got second, uh, no, excuse me, shortstop, third base, and outfield eligibility. Scott, if you can only add one, mm-hmm. would it be Ezekiel Duran or Marcelo Zuna? Those are the, the two names. I mean, Ozuna's been a stud since the start of May, and it's kind of ridiculous that he's yeah. not universally rostered at this point. But Duran is under rostered too. He, like he, like Ozuna, benefits from being in such a loaded lineup. I mean, the Rangers lineup really even more than the Braves. You look up and down it, and the the kind of run and RBI pace that every hitter is on, and it's the reason Jonah Heim is the number one catcher in Roto Leagues this year. It's the reason why, it's, it's a big reason why Corey Seager has as many points per game as he does. It's a reason why Adolis Garcia is a top five outfielder in every format. It's, it's just because he's so many runs in RBI. Um, so that's, that's one advantage that Duran has. His totals are lower. I mean, obviously he wasn't an everyday player all year. But that's one advantage. It's just the lineup context. Also, it's easy to look at a guy who's hitting about 320 and say, oh, regression is coming here. Probably to some degree regression is coming. But his expected batting average is 91st percentile. So it's not all smoke and mirrors here for Duran. His expected slug is 89th percentile. He He is legitimately impacting the ball a way a hitter would need to to put up the kinds of numbers he has. And it's high time people took notice of that, especially since you could start him at three different positions. Mm-hmm. Again, that is Ezekiel Duran. Let's slide over to Ha-Sung Kim, who you could also start at three different positions. He went three for five with two RBI. I brought him up recently. I feel like you and Chris just kind of brushed him off like, ah, you know, whatever. It's Ha-Sung Kim. He's let off five straight. And since the start of May, this is now 48 games. He is batting 286 with six homers, eight steals, and a 13% walk rate. That, I think, is a pretty useful player. Um, he's 54% rostered, so he's probably more of like a middle infielder or you use him in a categories league more than anything else. But I want to give him a little bit more respect, Scott. I moved Hassan Kim up to 23rd in my second base rankings ahead of Isak Paredes, Orlando Arcia, and Geraldo Perdomo. I think he's similar to Perdomo. I would I would still prefer those other two to him though, Paredes and Arcia. Uh, he's useful, sure. He's useful. Kim is in sort of the same. I feel like I keep coming back to this comparison, but um, the same way that the Phillies second baseman is Bryson Stott. That's the guy, Price and Stott. Oh my gosh, I've I've had like I've had such a foggy brain this year when it comes to names. I I don't know what's happening to me. Sorry, I'm not even forty yet. I don't like this is a problem. <laughs> uh, it's all right, Scott. Uh, by the way, for no, for Ha Sung Kim, uh, it look if this Padres lineup ever does get going and it just kind of clicks the way we think it could. If he's leading off, I mean, we could be looking at pretty massive counting stats for him, but I feel like we've been saying that all year, and frankly, I don't know if it's going to ever happen for these Padres, at least this season. Uh, Nick Gonzalez, we spoke about earlier, he went two for four with his first career homer, 106 exit velocity, 442 feet to straightaway center field, and we mentioned how he has been a letdown in the minors uh, this year at AAA. He was batting 257 with six homers and an 820 OPS. He's 10% rostered. And I think I mostly agree, Scott. It's for deeper leagues as a middle infielder, you know, those 15 team leagues. 
So I don't know that he needs to be much more rostered than 10%, but mm-hmm. a name that we should watch and, and see where it goes, Nick Gonzalez. Yeah, just because he has a bit of a pedigree there, being such a high draft pick, being like a consensus, gosh, was he a top 30 prospect? To, uh, entering, la- entering last year, basically. So not that long ago. It's just it was such a disappointing 2022 and then not such a great 2023 leading up to this promotion. He was a consensus top 50 prospect, let's say, entering last year. Mm-hmm. Again, that is Nick Gonzalez. Two other names, I think mostly for deeper leagues. Will Brennan went three for four with two RBI. In the month of June, he's betting 347 with two homers, two seals, and an 892 OPS. And Garrett Cooper went three for five with a double, two RBI, also in the month of June, batting 288 with four home runs and 15 RBI. I don't know that this Marlins lineup is ever going to be great, but they just got Jazz Chisholm back, so that's going to help. And Jorge Soler is obviously having a monster year. Brian De La Cruz is playing really well. There could be some opportunities here for Garrett Cooper in terms of batting average and counting stats. Uh, more so for, again, deeper league, Scott, but any enthusiasm for Cooper or Will Brennan? I mean, a small amount of enthusiasm. I, I doubt I doubt they're going to register in the sort of league that the average player, the average listener plays in. Uh, so, you know, I don't want to talk them up too much, but Will Brennan, you know what? We've mentioned him a few times before. Kind of a poor man. Stephen Kwan makes a lot of contact. Steals bases, probably will steal at an even better rate than Stephen Kwan, actually. And I like that you can say Will Brennan's name to the Buy Menon jingle. The you what? call it a jingle? It was so, you remember the Buy Menon jingle? Buy Menon. Will Brennan. <laughs> I used to do that too with Mike Glennon. What is, Mike Glennon? what is that? What is that for? At least Mike Glennon. I know who Mike Glennon is. I know who okay. Will Brennan is. I don't. What What is that first thing that you're saying? Is that like a product or a name or? Who is Glennon. It? I don't know. They made like razors and. Uh, <laughs> I don't know exactly what they were, but they'd say like at the end of a commercial. This is probably like late '80s, early '90s. By Menon. By Menon. I'm like, what is Menon? No. I didn't know at the time. Like it was the weirdest thing, but I don't know. I'd have to look into it. Will alone somebody's saying. I don't know. Will Brennan. shave. <laughs> yeah. Bars of soap. The toiletries. All right. Men's grooming products. All right. Something like that. Kind of like a I don't know, like Irish Spring or something like that. By Menon. I don't even know how to spell Menon. <laughs> Anywho, let's move on from this and talk about Cody Bellinger. What to do with Cody Bellinger? We haven't talked about him in a while. He went two for four with a double and a run scored, but has struggled since returning from the IL. It's a pretty small sample size, only nine games played, but he's betting 207 with zero homers and a 526 OPS, which will look eerily similar to the month of May. Before he got hurt, he played 13 games in May. Cody Bellinger hit 226 with zero homers and a 578 OPS. We know that April was great and it looked like Cody Bellinger was bouncing back. Maybe not to, you know, MVP form, but looked like he was getting back on track. Um, any concern here, Scott, that he's just kind of reverting back to his old ways, Cody Bellinger? So Menon was the U.S. market leader among deodorants and antiperspirants for men for many years. <laughs> Most known for Speed Stick, the ultra budget minded Deodorant. Anyway, who are you asking about? <laughs> now, yeah, I'm trying to learn more about this too because I have. Ah, I know what speed stick is. I obviously I've heard yeah, of that, it's, but uh, right, it's <clears throat> like the starter deodorant. Right? But, yeah, figure out how to use this, kid. I don't. Uh, Cody Bellinger, uh, Scott. I was asking Cody. about Cody Bellinger in nine games since returning. He hasn't played well. Thirteen games yeah. back in May didn't look great either. So I'm just wondering if he's reverting back to his old ways. <sighs> I worry about that. But more information is needed. I, like, I'm not going to drop him yet because it's only nine games fresh off the IL. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, even when he was succeeding earlier with the Cubs, the expected stats were questionable. So there was some reason for skepticism then. Uh, and then he got all that momentum interrupted by the injury. So it's just a wait and see thing, I think, with Bellinger right now. 
I think most people probably agree with you because he's still 92% rostered, but only started in 39% of leagues. So sounds like he's just on the bench for a lot of people right now. That is Cody Bellinger. And frankly, that's probably how you should be handling him right now. Let's talk about some news and notes. And Rays manager Kevin Cash said Shane McClanahan is expected to make his next start Friday in Seattle. He last started on June 22nd and exited earlier early due to mid-back tightness. Uh, all things considered, I think this is a this is pretty good news for Shane McClanahan. He got pushed back a little bit, but he's going to be back Friday against the Mariners. Salvador Perez underwent an eye procedure on Monday to help with his lingering vision issues, and apparently it's not as bad as it, as it sounds, and it's uh, something that he's undergone in the past and was... They said he was available to pinch hit on Tuesday. I didn't actually check to see if he did that, but sounds like uh, Salvador Perez is going to be okay. I, I know he's had a really rough June, so probably part of that uh, vision issue, and that's why he got it done. Merrill Kelly was placed on the IL with a blood clot in his right calf and is without a timetable, uh, hoping for the best. Obviously, it's semi-serious situation, but it is a big loss. Merrill Kelly has pitched very well this year, a 3.22 ERA, a 1.14 whip, and I know there was another example of a blood clot last year, Scott, and I think it was 18 Ian, games. Ian Kennedy. Yeah. Yeah, that this one was cited by um, by Merrill Kelly's own manager, Tori Lovello. Uh, you know, I hear blood clot and I, I think of like the worst case scenario, which, you know, maybe it's a season ending thing. And in fact, that can be a pretty significant issue, but uh, hopefully it's not that bad. And, and it ends up being close to a minimal IL stint here for Merrill Kelly, who's been one of the most reliable pitchers this year. Would hate to lose him. Yeah, he really hopefully has it's just a short term thing. Yep. Julio Arias is set to return Saturday against the Royals in Kansas City. Obviously, uh, a great matchup there. First time off the IL, so good for him. Brandon Woodruff threw another bullpen session on Tuesday, this time up to 25 pitches. He's still scheduled to throw a few more bullpen sessions before beginning a rehab assignment. Jose Altuve remained out of the lineup Tuesday due to lingering discomfort in his heel. Hugh Darvish was scratched from his start due to an illness. Hunter Green could be out until... August due to a lingering right hip injury, which I didn't think it was going to be that long. Yeah, same. This timetable just kind of came out of nowhere. Um, and it's kind of crazy. I was thinking more about it. The Reds are, they've gone on this crazy run. Obviously, the rookie hitters have come up and done really well. They're doing it without Hunter Green and without Nick Lodolo, who mm-hmm. were regarded as their top two pitchers coming into the season, which is pretty, yep. pretty crazy stuff for them. So. Shout out to the Reds. I wonder if they could make a trade for like a high-end starter because they still have a lot of prospects. For all the prospects they've graduated, they still have a lot more high-end ones in the minor league ranks. Noel V. Marte, for one. Uh, You know, maybe they could explore the trade market. Maybe there's like, I don't know, a Luis Castillo type out there. I feel like the two biggest names I've heard kind of mentioned are Shane Bieber and Lucas Giolito. It would be funny, though, if they traded for Luis Castillo, particularly <laughs> if they traded Noel V. Marte as the centerpiece that would for be Luis Castillo. Fantastic. Masataka Yoshida was out of the lineup due to forearm soreness. Marcus Stroman is expected to make his next start this weekend. He was pulled Sunday due to a blister on his right index finger. James Paxton remains lined up to uh, make his next start Friday in Toronto. He left his previous start early due to right knee soreness. Liam Hendricks is scheduled to play catch on Wednesday, his first time throwing since going on the IL earlier in June. Alec Manoa, the story just gets crazier. He's making a he was making a rehab start, or I guess whatever, a get back on track start in the Florida Complex League on Tuesday. He gave up eleven earned runs over two and two thirds innings. This is the lowest level of the minor leagues. And he mm-hmm. still got hammered. Bunch of teenagers who only see fastballs and crazy eleven earned runs in two and two thirds innings. I don't know what I was expecting to use the uh, Michael Bluth GIF, but 
it was gonna it was better than that whatever i was expecting i wasn't expecting that and i would imagine nobody in the world was expecting that now the blue jays did offer a lot of happy talk that you know, is laced with some truth um so from John Schneider, their manager, obviously saw the line score, but heard th- the things we were talking about in terms of strike throwing, delivery, tempo, velo was all positive. The rest of the stuff you can kind of take with a grain of salt. I don't think one day, one outing, one report will really change uh, what the Jays think of this rehab assignment. I think there's enough track record and confidence and belief in him. Okay. So they're saying it's more about the process, basically. And that's true. But 11 earned runs in two and two-thirds innings against that level of competition, like, you, you almost have to try to be that bad. I don't, I don't care what process you're going through. So I'm, you know, it, it, it's, it could still all click into place. I remember there was a time when Mackenzie Gore was struggling before he made his debut, and he got sent down to the lower minors and had some really ugly starts at first. And... Like it's it's not like all hope is lost for Alec Manoa, but I'm I'm losing hope that he's going to help much this year. I would imagine savvy dynasty managers are not giving up or selling low on Alec Manoa, but yeah. if you can find one that's not so savvy, you might be able to get Alec Manoa for well, dirt cheap for pennies. I, so I can tell you, I offered in in the Scott White Dynasty League, R.J. White, savvy owner, uh, no relation, but. <laughs> He is um, my managing editor. I offered him Lance Lynn and Jack Flaherty for Alec Manoa, and he seemed offended, offended by this offer. He was looking for pitching. You know, Lance Lynn was trending the right direction. I thought, I didn't think it was an offensive offer, but yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't going to budge on Manoa, so... But he is savvy, as you say. <laughs> yeah, sure is. Uh, Brandon Lau began a rehab assignment Monday at the Rays rookie level Florida Complex League affiliate. Jack Flaherty has been cleared to start Saturday against the Yankees. Tyler O'Neill said he's aiming to begin a minor league rehab assignment next week, and he's been out since early May with a back injury. Jose Urquidy threw a 25-pitch bullpen session Tuesday. He's been out since early May with right shoulder inflammation. Cal Quantrill will return to the Guardians rotation Friday against the Cubs, which means the Guardians will either have to go to a six-man rotation or one of Gavin Williams or Logan uh, Allen could get sent down. So I'm just going to throw it out there. I don't think it's going to be Gavin Williams following this start, but we'll see what Logan Allen does I think he faces the Royals on Wednesday. And last but not least, Matthew Boyd needs Tommy John surgery and will miss the remainder of the season. Let's take our final break. And when we return, pitchers who did not pitch so well on Tuesday night. We'll talk about it here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. You ready, Bob? Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount+. Plus For a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance. Avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back, and a big thanks to everyone watching us live. Nearly 500 people here. It's very late on the East Coast, as it normally is, so we do appreciate you hanging out. Hit the like button and subscribe if you haven't already. Pitchers who did not have it on Tuesday night, and let's start with Joe Ryan in a warm, humid Atlanta, just set up for disaster. A fly ball pitcher in that environment against that lineup. Ah, We got all the regression that we could have possibly imagined. He gave up six runs over three innings pitched, five home runs in that start, and the fastball got absolutely crushed, which is very clearly his best pitch. A 98.2 average exit velocity against that fastball. And after this one, he's up to a 344 ERA. But Scott, over the last six starts, this is coming with a start in there with a complete game shutout. 
Yeah, his last last time out yeah. was a complete game shutout against the Red Sox, a good lineup. Yeah, he followed up his best start of the season with his worst. His last six starts, Joe Ryan, a 555 ERA, a 101 whip, so maybe he's been a little bit unlucky, but I don't know. He is, uh, I don't want to say he's hitting a wall, but he's he's hitting something right now. No. I think he just ran into a buzzsaw. Yeah. It was, uh, you know, his, his vulnerability, sh- because of, that profile that he has, his vulnerability should be the long ball. And he had, and he had allowed prior to this five home run start, he had allowed just eight home runs all year. So he was, he was due and the Braves are the most power laden team in the majors by far. If you consider, if you're, if you're measuring it by home run distance, the Braves are by far the most power laden team. They hit the longest home runs they're like lapping the field in terms of home runs, uh, home run distance. So, um, yeah, they 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 applied some regression here. They are also number one in isolated power against right-handed pitching, which should come as no surprise uh, given That's, that Atlanta Braves lineup. That's a more practical stat than home run distance. <laughs> there you go. Uh, three other other names that did not pitch well on Tuesday, Scott. Should we or do we need to hold on to all three of these? Michael Kopech lasted only four innings because he walked seven batters. He now has 16 walks over his last three starts. And on the season, 5.1 walks per nine. He's still 88% rostered. Garrett Whitlock was hit hard up against the Marlins. He gave up six runs over four and two-thirds innings. And uh, his ERA is now up to 5.15. And it was finally, it finally happened, Scott. We knew it was going to happen. <laughs> Julio Tehran at the New York Mets. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably unfortunate because a lot of people had him in the lineup for the two starts. But mm-hmm. he gives up seven earned runs, including four homers, over five and two-thirds innings. Uh, do we need to hold on to all of those names? Tehran, Garrett Whitlock, Michael Kopech. I think you for sure need to hold on to Michael Kopech. The walks have been terrible lately, as you pointed out. Uh, but let's not forget that in the five starts prior to these three starts where the control has been terrible, the five starts prior to that, a 172 ERA, 12.6K per nine. So we like we know what the upside is for Michael Kopech. Maybe he's like a more extreme version of Dylan Cease. And I'm not saying you should trust him right now. We got to see him get the control under control again. But I think I think the upside is too high for you to dump him. And I would be reluctant to drop Garrett Whitlock. Depends how shallow your league is, I guess, whether or not you'd consider doing that. You mentioned the overall ERA is over five, but in the five starts prior to this one, it was 360. It was nearly a strikeout per inning. It was a very good whip. The swinging strike rate was amazing. He has that new sweeper that he's been getting a lot of whiffs with. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll take one misfire in a span of six starts. If, if he struggles again next time out, it might be time to move on. But I'll, I'll give Garrett Whitlock a pass for this one. I guess if you're just going to apply the, okay, one miss is not enough to dump him rule to Whitlock, you could also make the case for Tehran. That he's he's obviously the one I'd have the easiest time dropping. And look, yeah, it was two start week came into it with a one fifty seven ERA, right? Just going off memory, I can never find the stats when I need to. One fifty three ERA. So he came into this start with a one fifty three ERA. Two start weeks, pretty pretty good matchups. I was starting him in a bunch of leagues myself. You live with the Tehran. You live by the Tehran. You die by the Tehran. <laughs> Unfortunately, I didn't get to experience any of the living by Tehran. I only know dying by him, and it sucks. The reason you could justify starting him wasn't just that he had a 153 ERA. He was giving up a lot of weak contact. His expected ERA was 329 coming into the start. That's still very good, and so. I don't know that I'm in a hurry to drop him necessarily. If I picked him up for the two-star week, let's see how the next start goes. But it's a volatile profile just because of the amount of contact he gives up. And I don't think you should count on him being a rest-of-season option for you by any stretch of the imagination. Would you drop either of Garrett Whitlock or Julio Tehran for Gavin Williams or Brian Wu? Yeah, 
I would drop either for Williams. I would drop Tehran for Wu. I think I'd keep Whitlock over Wu. All right. Do any of these waiver wire pitchers matter? They were all in action on Tuesday. Paul Blackburn, a solid start against the lowly Yankees lineup. Five and a third, one run allowed with five strikeouts and 12 swinging strikes. His underlying numbers are actually pretty good, too, for uh, for Paul Blackburn. Alex Wood pitched well as the bulk reliever at the Blue Jays. Five shutout with seven strikeouts. David Peterson pitched well in his return from the minors. He threw six shutout innings with five strikeouts and 11 swinging strikes. And Matt Manning, he was okay at the Texas Rangers. His first time uh, back on the mound here, five and two thirds, two runs allowed with four strikeouts. But his velocity was up a a considerable amount across the board. Scott, do any of these pitchers matter? Matt Manning, David Peterson, Alex Wood, and Paul Blackburn. I don't think Matt Manning's going to matter. It's unlikely any of them really matter, but I've I've long been intrigued by Alex Wood. I've uh, for a decent amount of time been intrigued by David P- Peterson. And then you got Paul Blackburn, who somehow has 10.2 strikeouts per nine innings this year. He has a 323 FIP. He has a 372 XFIP. I'm still skeptical all that's going to last, and and he pitches for the A's, which is a major disadvantage. But he's doing interesting things. So I would at least keep an eye on those three, Blackburn, Alex Wood, and David Peterson. Not sure it's worth adding them yet, though, even in like a 15-team league. Let's wrap up with some leftovers, and we'll start with some pitching standouts. Kevin Gosman picked up his seventh double-digit strikeout effort of the season. He had 12 strikeouts over six innings up against the Giants. Clayton Kershaw turned in his fifth straight quality start. He was in Coors Field, six shutout innings with only one hit and one walk allowed. Bryce Elder, another quality start, just chugging along, six innings, two runs, four strikeouts up against the Twins. Jordan Montgomery now has four quality starts in a row. This one was up against the Astros. And Tyler Wells on the other side of that start with Andrew Abbott. A fun start, just two young pitchers who are pitching well this season. Uh, Tyler Wells, he's really pitched well this year. Six innings of two-run ball with seven strikeouts there. Lots of names, Scott, but Tyler Wells, Jordan Montgomery, Bryce Elder, Clayton Kershaw, Kevin Gosman. Anything that stands out from that group? Well, you mentioned Kevin Gosman has seven double-digit strikeout games this year. About halfway through this year, he's already up to seven of those. The top two pitchers, the consensus top two pitchers coming into this year were Corbin Burns and Garrett Cole. They each had only nine double-digit strikeout games last year, and Gosman is already at seven halfway through this year. That is impressive, and it makes me wonder if we're rating him highly enough. I have him as my number four starting pitcher rest of season, so I think I'm rating him highly enough, but I I just don't feel like there has been, I I don't feel like he's been perceived on that level uh, for for most of the year. He certainly wasn't coming into the year. Perceived as an ace, but not like one of the aces among aces, you know? Yeah. He's kind of looking that way. Yeah. I have him as my SP4 as well, Scott, so. Okay. Let's go. Yeah. Credit where credit is due. Uh, so Jordan Montgomery had a terrible May with an ERA over six. And here in July, his ERA is one. I'm sorry, here in June, his ERA is 171. So he went from a 604 ERA in May to 171 in June. And I don't see what's changed for him. So perplexed by that one. But the longer track record suggests Jordan Montgomery's a pretty good pitcher. So I guess I'll go with that. All right, the hitting leftovers, a big welcome back to Jazz Chisholm, who went three for four with a double, uh, three RBI, and two runs scored. Austin Riley went two for three with his 14th home run, and it has been a bit of a letdown season for him. Just a 787 OPS. Quality of contact has taken a little bit of a step back. Uh, So has the barrel rate for Austin Riley, mostly because he's hitting a few more ground balls this season, so... If he can get back to lifting, obviously in the middle of that Braves lineup, there's not really anything actionable with this. It's just, 
I don't know. Maybe you could buy low on Austin Riley. It prob- yeah. Probably not going to happen. Yeah, it's it's been it's just been like a a little underwhelming. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of similar to Vladimir Guerrero, where it doesn't really look like anything to worry about, but you just keep waiting for him to take off. And I think that's eventually what's going to happen. Austin Riley's just going to get insanely hot for a month, like he did last July when he hit 423 with 11 homers. He's going to have, I don't know, maybe it'll be July. He has another July like that. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I I wouldn't be worried about Austin Riley per se. Well, it happened for his teammate who uh, did it once again on Tuesday. Michael Harris, one for four with his seventh home run, 110.3 exit velocity, 438 feet. And all of a sudden, he's up to a 260 batting average with a 742 OPS on the season. Corbin Carroll went two for four with his 17th home run. And I just want to show some appreciation. I know that we've talked about Cattell Marte a little bit recently, uh, but he went one for three with his 15th home run. He entered Tuesday as the third best second baseman in both Roto and head-to-head points leagues on the season. Not just mm-hmm. the past month or whatever. It's on the yeah. season. Cattell Marte well, has five been, home runs in seven games. Yeah. Yeah. He's been great. And also wanted to show some love to uh, Christian Walker. He hit his 16th home run and very similarly entered Tuesday as the fourth best first baseman in Roto, the third best in head-to-head points. Those guys have been great. Yeah. I have more faith in Cattell Marte remaining that high in the rankings. And in fact, my updated rest-of-season rankings reflect that. I've moved him ahead of Jose Altuve, for instance. And Wow. Uh, that's, that's, a I, pretty, that's a pretty big deal. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Altuve's good, but yeah. so is Cattell Marte. And it remains the most curious thing to me why he was being drafted outside the top 200 prior to this. I mean, I pointed it out a few times during draft season. Yeah. I ended up with a lot of shares of him, thankfully. Uh, I don't know why everyone was so quick to write off Cattell Marte, a guy who, despite underachieving last year, still hit the ball plenty hard. And It's just fatigue, Scott. That's it. It's fatigue. That's all it I was. Guess. Yeah. Because he's let us down twice, right? In 2020, following a monstrous 2019, he let us down. And then in 2022, following a very good 2021. It's been an odd year only thing here for Cattell Marte. And I'm not saying like that's programmed in and that's going to continue and fade him next year. I'm not saying that. But I, it, it was an overreaction to his disappointing 2021 i would say especially since or his disappointing 2022 especially since he had succeeded twice before it wasn't just a one-hit wonder situation in 2019 call to the bullpen some updates here for the giants camilo duvall recorded the final four outs three via the strikeout for his 23rd save for the cardinals jordan hicks pitched a clean ninth struck out one for his fifth save and all five have come in the past eight games he's 54 percent rostered if you need saves or just a reliever in a points league, whatever it might be, he actually has starting pitcher eligibility too. He's one of these weird relievers that you can use in an SP spot. I don't know why you would want to, but I'll just throw it out there that he has that eligibility. Uh, yeah, last week I said Jordan Hicks. I think he could run away with this job for the Cardinals, and I'm doubling down. I'm sticking with it. For the Guardians, Emmanuel Class A picked up his league-leading 24th save. For the Dodgers, Evan Phillips entered with two outs in the ninth inning and the bases loaded. He got the final out for his 11th save. For the Reds, Alexis Diaz picked up his 22nd. And for the Oakland A's, Trevor May pitched in the eighth inning in a one-run game facing the top of the Yankees lineup. And then Sam Mole got the ninth inning, picked up his first save of the season. Let's wrap up with to stream or not to stream. And starting with Wednesday... There are some interesting names here. Uh, I think we said Dane Dunning versus the Tigers, Logan Allen at the Royals. Yeah, Ah, there's quite a few. J.P. Sears versus the Yankees, Domingo Herman at the A's, Wade Miley at the Mets. Five names. I think they're all solid. uh, Yeah, because there are so many choices, I think I'd shy away from Herman at Oakland just because he was roughed up so badly his last couple starts. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fair. Let's move over to Thursday. And, ooh, tough. Emmett Sheehan has pitched well, but he's in Coors Field. Mm-hmm. Uh, Reese Olsen has pitched well, but he's going against the Rangers. Yeah, don't. I'd rather not do that. Don't love it. 
Uh, I think Kyle Hendricks against the Phillies might be my top choice. That's probably fine. I think Clark Schmidt at the A's, he's pitched pretty well over the past month. And Patrick Sandoval against the White Sox could go okay. I mean, he's, he's his own worst enemy at times. Yeah. But, um, no, he had a good start against the Royals recently, and I think the same could happen here. We are going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thanks, as always, for tuning in to Fantasy Baseball Today. Please make sure to follow and leave a five-star rating on Apple or Spotify, and we'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. New CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. I survive. You make quick, smart decisions. You never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.